0: Hello and welcome to Odds and Evenings, a podcast about mathematics, puzzles, numbers and games. My name is Alex, hello, and with me is my co-host, whose name is...
1: Alaric, also hello. How are you, Alex?
0: I'm okay. Uh, last night I had some real cider, which I don't know what the term real means in that context.
1: In America, they, there's like hard cider and soft cider. Hard cider mm. being the actual proper one with alcohol in it. Soft cider being essentially apple juice.
0: But in the UK, you've got cider, like Strongbow, which is comes out of a can and is... You know, mass marketed and mass produced. Yep. And you have real cider, which is a bit like real ale, which I guess is a smaller batch process.
1: Yeah, the Henry Westons and the Old Roses.
0: Okay, but they're quite popular, and mass produced as well. They are. So what's going on?
1: Uh, they're sort of the scrumpy, the uh, the harder stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I had a uh, I had uh, a couple of pints of an eight percent, and it was so clear. I guess it was because it was slowly becoming like ethanol. You know, the, the higher the percentage it is, the, the clearer it's ultimately going to get, because there's so much alcohol in it, there's no room for other impurities.
1: Oh, Alex, uh, you're coming round next, well, end of this week to the Worcester Beer and Cider Festival. We'll teach you some stuff.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, how are you?
1: I'm good. i still in the holidays, living it quite hedonistically. Um, I, I went to Nordstock, my wings, the festival. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, the wings, the wings came off.
1: Uh, yeah, hard to dance in, but mm. good for prancing around in the daytime of a festival. Mm. No, I haven't done any maths in ages. You oh, know, wow. I did a bit of a GCHQ puzzle about a week ago. Hmm. Um, but no, kind of looking forward to this. Yeah,
0: okay, cool. What well, do you want to do some maths then?
1: Yeah, let's do it. This one um, is a problem I was thinking about when we were at university. The college we were at at Oxford, St. Catherine's College, Uh, was arranged with staircases. And so one staircase would have perhaps 20 people living on it. And the door to each staircase would have a little keypad. Yep, And it would be a four-digit pin. Now, each staircase had a four-digit pin, which was unique to that staircase. But also, there were a couple of master codes, which were also four-digit pins, which would open any of the doors. And there were multiple going on at the same time. And when they clocked that lots of students had worked out a master code, they would occasionally change it, and it'd be a game to find a new one again.
0: Yes, you know, we never got that confirmed. That was always hearsay. Yeah. But let's let's run on that assumption.
1: Now there would always be multiple master codes running because I knew at, at one point I knew perhaps three master codes. Right. So the out of the uh, thousand, ten thousand possible combinations, there were a few like out there. Like, it wasn't impossible that you could uh, sit at a keypad for a while just typing in numbers and work one out. Mm. The way that it did it, if you typed in four digits, it would check whether that was a valid combination. And if it was, it would have a little green LED. That yeah. would come on, and you'd get in. If you typed an additional digit, so you typed five in total, then it would also check whether number two, number three, number four, number five was a valid sequence. Mm. So it's, with five digits, you've checked two codes. It's, yeah. it's not like you had to do chunks of four every time. Yeah. And so every additional digit, you were checking an additional code. Right. Which saves you some time. Yeah. My question is, what sequence should you type in the numbers so that you don't repeat codes that you've already checked mm. to try and check, it, well, ideally all of them? Like, can you, with an additional digit each time... Test a unique one every time until you've gone through all of the combinations.
0: Hmm. Is there some like yeah, a nice grand cycle you can do?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, the... it would be nice if it actually was a cycle where the last one kind of loops around back to the beginning, where there was kind of non-lost. That's kind of what I
0: would expect
1: it to do. Yeah.
0: Same. So for some reason, maybe I've thought about this in the past. Maybe we've talked about this in the past. But I'm having I'm drawing up images of Batman and the Flash when we're talking about this. Oh, I, um, I don't know where you're going. Because there's a part in an episode of Justice League where Batman and the Flash are trying to get through a door with a keypad and the Flash just tries every single possible combination in about a second flat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, okay.
0: And they get in and like, Batman's there, so they're trying to go, hmm, I wonder what the password could be, hmm, hmm. You know, being all Batman-y and the Flash just comes up and goes, and just, type, just <laughs> <laughs> It's all of them and then and, then, <laughs> and they go through and I think um, in light of that, I think we have talked about this about you know when we were at uni together I okay. don't remember anything that, we, that that we came that we came across um because the flash could have sped up his process of trying every single
1: okay so thing. Did the flash yeah. did the um chunks of four yeah You'd type in zero 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 then zero 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 one rather yeah. than typing in. Zero, 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 1.
0: Yeah. Yeah mm-hmm. yeah. And so let's I want to get a handle on how much faster this is. So if there were four digits, then that's There's ten different combinations of its one digit, a hundred different combinations of its two digits. That's so it's ten thousand.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right. So, there's ten thousand in total. So if you were typing in four in all four digits, yeah. that's forty thousand numbers that you have to type. Yeah. If you're doing it in this kind of chained way the first three digits you type in, you're not checking at all. And then every digit you're typing in after that, you're checking a unique one. So it'd be 10,003. So it's about a quarter.
0: Cool. Do you want to just try? Or yeah. What do, do you think we should think of strategies? <laughs> um, you, could go, you could go 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 1, 2... I don't know. Yeah, you'd have to start skipping by certain amounts, right?
1: I was thinking about the... If it was just a two-digit one, rather than a four... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I've got something which is a bit convincing here I think I was thinking about it in graph theory terms like nodes and arcs sort of graph theory and I was thinking uh, imagine you had a node for every digit so a node for 0, a node for 1, a node for 2 etc and if we drew an arc between each one, let's have arrows on these arcs as well so they're directioned so like there would be an arrow going from 0 to 1 There'd be an arrow going from one to zero yeah there'd be an arrow like a little self loop going from zero to zero
0: ah yes and because the because it's directed in this case the arcs themselves are all the different possible combinations
1: yes and so and it's so like you're trying to find a new layer in cycle uh yeah and because the order of each node is even
0: oh, oh it is even yep. oh but it's but it's directed
1: uh, I think that's still fine
0: is that because it could would be nine otherwise
1: Well, the strategy here is, imagine you're trying to clear out a node at a time. So let's start at zero. You do the little self loop. Then you go two, one, and then back again. Then you go two and back again, and so on. Like, you can clear out zero and reduce it to something which is an order less than it was before.
0: Yeah, uh, so I've reasoned that it is possible because I've just run what if the only possible digits were not one and two in my head. Yeah. And you can go... All around clockwise, and then you can go all around anticlockwise. Yep. And then and then that's it. So that must extend to a four, five, and so on.
1: The problem with this method is when you get to three digits, it's no longer like we're trying to find the same thing. Because in our two-digit one, it was the arcs which were each of the combinations. Yeah. That's not true when you're trying to find, like, three digits in a row, because it's, like, two arcs at once.
0: What if there is an arc From Leading from one node to the other To to, to the end For every possible one that it skipped over Let's say you have You you have a directed thing that goes from 1 to 9 And there are uh, 10 of No, let's see There would be Yes, 10 of them That go from 1 to 9 One for each of naught to 9 Okay Do you see what I mean? Yeah Each one It
1: would have a little label on it Saying this is the one representing Blah blah blah
0: Yeah And you could have the same thing uh, for any other... I mean, I don't know whether you'd be able to do your nested repeat stuff. Ah, that's the thing. Because Mm. we're trying to do that. We're trying to do the other thing, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, we're we're trying to do the thing where where it plays into itself. So that's... Oh, oh, unless the one that you get to at the other end is like... Mm. Is there a way of drawing this nicely so you you have that... uh, uh, follow on. I don't know how to describe it. I don't have a short way of describing this. The thing mm. we're trying to do where it ta- where they where they tail into each other.
1: Here's a different way we can think about it in graph theory. Not sure if this is helpful. Let's swap what we're representing with the arcs and the nodes. Let's have a node for each combination. So there's the node which is 000, the node which is 001, and so on. Yeah. And the arcs would be, can we go from that node to the next node in a single thing?
0: Mm, so and there'll the, be ten each. Ten coming in, 10, ten going out.
1: And in this, we're trying to find a Hamiltonian cycle.
0: Is it not called a Hamiltonian path? Well. Oh, cycle, path, mm, yeah.
1: So, so, the cycle is where you end up back at the start.
0: Oh, okay, and a, and a path you can end up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Ending up back at the start would be a nice property. Yeah. Yeah. Because it means we could start wherever we wanted and just carry on round when we we're typing in our code. Yeah. By that, I mean we have to find every we have to get to every node but we don't necessarily have to go for every arc
0: okay well we've proven it's possible well done
1: Uh, (laughs) have we
0: (laughs) yeah because there's 10 outs and 10 ins for each possible combination so we know it's even even ordered definitely
1: that logic works when we're trying to find eulerian cycles
0: no it's true for hamiltonian cycles right
1: hang on let me just try and find a counterexample to your claim
0: Wait, define a Hamiltonian path again.
1: One where you're traveling along nodes, not repeating.
0: Not repeating a node. Yeah, you're not traveling. No. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, this is ten outs and ten ins, but you're not trying to travel all the arcs. Yes. You go to each node once. Yeah. So you're looking for a either a spanning tree or like a or a Dijkstra's algorithm thing.
1: Uh, yeah. So okay, here's a counterexample, one which is Eulerian but isn't Hamiltonian. Four nodes. One yep. of which is in the middle, three of which are satellites around the outside. Yeah. Each of which has two arcs connecting to the middle.
0: So you keep going. You keep going through the middle multiple times.
1: Yep. So
0: I think that because this thing is so hmm, neat and tidy,
1: what I'm hoping for is if we can complete one digit and do it in a way which we that then- we can then do the same method for the next digit, just reducing the
0: order. Uh yeah, yeah, because you can sort of. Make it recursive and like, yeah. Make it one where a, a problem for nine and then a problem for yeah.
1: Yeah. Can we do one where we get rid of all the ones that start with a zero? So
0: within that, solving the ones that start with a zero, you're also doing the same problem, solving all the ones that start with zero. I I don't think you, this happens sequentially though.
1: No, it doesn't because if you start it with um, say zero zero zero, fine. Then add a one on the end to get zero zero one. Then you yeah. need something which goes zero one something. And the one after that starts with a one? Yeah. Necessarily. Before you've done other ones with starting with zeros. So it yeah. all gets a bit connected. Maybe instead of completing all the ones that start with a zero, you complete all the ones which have a zero somewhere in them. If we just took the algorithm of smallest possible one first, does that work? It'd be neat if it did. So it would go zero 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 one zero. So so far we've done zero zero zero, zero zero, zero one and zero one zero. The next smallest one we can go is 100. Zero, zero, and then 000. Uh, zero yeah, two. you try
0: you you try and do the smallest one that you haven't already done. Yeah. Does, does that p- paint itself into a corner or does that work?
1: Okay, what at the moment it's doing is it's going zero, 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 0001, zero, 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 002, two. Zero, zero, 03. Yeah. And it's gonna keep doing that until
0: Until it gets zero, zero, 009. Yep. Zero one. Yes. Ah, yes. And then right at the end of the cycle. You'll go nine zero zero as your final thing that you do, and then you're back at the beginning.
1: Nine zero zero.
0: One <laughs> zero zero two zero zero. Like,
1: but we've already done zero zero one. No here. no 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 yeah,
0: but that's, that's that's the point. Like when you've done the whole thing, I'm, I've skipped right to the end of the thing we're trying to construct. Okay. Because that will end up with a nine as the last digit, probably. Ah uh, okay. And then you'll just go zero zero <laughs> one zero zero. So I think yep. it does it does loop back round. I think it is a cycle and not a path. I got, I got, I got that hunch.
1: Can we try this? Ten digits is too many to actually go through the list here. But could we try it just with zero ones and twos? Because it seems like we could go through the whole thing then.
0: Four, four digits.
1: Yeah. Sorry, how big is that going to be? If uh, ten digits was ten to the power of four. right, it's eighty-one. Eighty-one. It's quite long, isn't it? Should we do it with zero?
0: With three. Well, there's only twenty-seven of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because I, I think if that works Then the, the whole thing probably will Yeah Sorry guys, we you know this isn't a proof
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> The whole thing it, It's probably the same um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, we've done it Two digit with two digits uh, we do three with three So it probably works with four with four right. <laughs> Okay, so let's do it Three digits With zero ones and twos So it goes yeah. zero, zero, yeah. One, zero, one yeah. Zero, zero, two
0: Zero, zero. 00.
1: Not 00, zero 201. Zero, uh, it goes
0: 200 zero, zero, because. But if we you go two, had zero, 200. I know, but if you do 200, zero, zero, you paint yourself in your corner.
1: Ah, I see. Yeah, okay. It's a last digit thing. Yes. So 201 is the next smallest. Uh,
0: Yep. Yeah. 201. And we've already had oh, one, oh. So you have to go 2011.
1: Yes, okay. I agree.
0: Then you've got one one zero, which we yep. haven't had, and then one o, one o one, which we haven't had, yeah. And then you've got zero one, two. Has to go two, yep. Yeah. And you you've got and oh, no, you can't do that. Um,
1: yeah, that's going to be our last one. Yeah. So 202.
0: 202. two o two. 2. two. Oh, had. It feels
1: like it's getting a lot less trivial as it goes along. O
0: two one. Yep. Two one o. No. Have we had 102 already? Ah, see, this is why it helps that you're writing down and I'm not.
1: <laughs> oh, you're um, not writing down? That's insane. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> 210 we can go to. Yeah. 10... Oh, it has to be 102. Mm-hmm. 0, 2, 2 is the only possibility. Yeah. yeah. We haven't had two twos in a row before, so we can go 220. Yeah. Two, oh,
0: have we had 202? Two two? We have. Okay, then you can't have a 0 there. We'll roll it back one, because we've already had do a one. Oh, unless the thing's 28 long, in which case time for the zero zero. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight,
1: nine, ten, 1 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19. No. Okay. So, I think at that point we go So what we've worked out is the smallest thing doesn't work. Mm, no, you just have to be a little bit tactical. Oh
0: yeah, so you can't greedily do Yep. The smallest one. You do have to think ahead, but it's a good it's a good way of it's a good way of doing it. You just have to think ahead one about about one move.
1: Hmm. That feels like it would get longer and longer. If you are doing four digits and five digits, oh yeah, so. yeah. If
0: you're four digits, you got to think head by two minutes or something like that. Yeah, so it's, it's not kind. So that's not a, that's not an algorithm that works. No. In a greedy sense.
1: Hmm. Have you heard of Gray code? Yes, that's something to do with this, isn't it? I think it's a thing where you can change one digit at a time.
0: Yeah, it's a way of counting up in a in a sort of binary esque way, where one digit changes and the representation of numbers. Ticks up by one, but only one bit flips at a yeah.
1: time. And you can get like non binary versions of it as well. So I've got like the three digit ternary one here, where it goes through a kind of cycle, changing one at a time. Actually, it's not a cycle, it's a path. It gets from 000 to 222, changing one digit at a time, going through every possible state in between. Mm. But its way of getting from one to the next is not the same as our way of getting from one to the next. Ours right. is preserving the last two digits they will become the next, the first two digits of the next one. Yeah. But I wonder if we can kind of use that, their mapping to do a similar sort of thing.
0: I am becoming lost. I am too. About time we wrap this one up then. <laughs>
1: All right, listeners, help us out.
0: Uh, <laughs> you <laughs> listeners, do our work for us. <laughs> We're not clever enough. <laughs> Be more clever or put some more than, um, you know, Fifteen minutes thought into it. If someone has some good graphing software, you could draw the graph and it can immediately go. Here's the cycle. We solved I... quite nicely. I think. Oh, you could do probably maybe do it with a big matrix. Maybe.
1: I think that's well, equivalent to the graph theory stuff we were trying to do.
0: It is, yeah. Valiant, Alaric. Valiant. <laughs> Alaric. Question for you. Are you a Platonist or a formalist?
1: I can't remember what those terms mean. It's okay. formalism where you start with axioms and then build from them.
0: Mm, no. This is to do with... Perhaps this might be a little bit too airy-fairy for the show, but, you know, this is a podcast about mathematics, so we can talk about this. Um, so this is from a book that I read. Oh, I forget who it was by and what it was called, but it was something to do with, with like, it was trying to square the whole science and religion thing. And in it... The author went into the idea of where the mathematics is discovered or created, invented. yeah, or invented, yeah. And so, um, Platonists. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, this is something about. This is from a blog that I wrote one time. Ooh. Um, back, back when I used to have a blog on on Blogspot, which I'll never uh, reveal. So I, I, I did a blog post on this. Um, the Platonists believe that there exists all concepts. Every single concept already exists and the subset of all concepts is the subset of mathematical structures and, and and numbers and things and formalists believe that we have created mathematics to describe in a, an unfathomable nature that doesn't act according to these mechanisms per se it's just our way of describing them and i, I, I realize i don't know if we've ever talked about this we probably have talked about this before mm. but i don't i don't remember what, you, what your position really is and i've i've come into and come across in the process of me preparing for this uh uh, episode, I've kind of, I've kind of uh, found myself in a different position than I kind of used to be, and I think it's an it's an interesting halfway ground. So I I would like to I would like to I've, hear where you stand.
1: I've dotted you around um, on both sides of this. Mm. Uh, it's it's something I've wrestled with quite a lot in my life. It's a common co- conversation that I have with students that they often bring it up, and I find myself just arguing whatever is the opposite that they're arguing. Right. Uh, <laughs>
0: So what are some of the standard arguments then?
1: Um, so a lot of the people I talk to come to this as scientists. They'll be mathematicians, but they'll, they'll also be doing a whole lot of science A-levels. Yeah, And yeah. so they're, they're kind of used to the um, the process of, we take measurements from the world, we try and fit theories around them. Um, oh, look, here is a very simple sort of measurement we can do. How many things are over there? There are five rocks. Um, yeah. Maths is built on those kind of uh, foundations of how many thing yeah and except four. for negative
0: numbers which are built on the concept of debt
1: yeah <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> owing, owing
0: someone more. it's a societal thing yeah
1: if you gave me three rocks then I would be up to zero rocks yeah yeah uh, and it, it, it's very tempting to think in that sort of uh, frame for maps because that's kind of how it's built up from primary school mm. you can think of everything in terms of how many rocks do I have like the concept of odd or even it's when I'm arranging my rocks into a rectangle, which is two by something, is there one left over or not? Yeah. However, it seems that even if you're in a universe where you're starting with nothing, you can still define arithmetic. Because yes, this is st- something
0: that Bertrand Russell did, right? Was it Bertrand Russell? It's like the set of the set of nothing. And yes. then and then and then you have And then this how is, many
1: of those do you have?
0: <laughs> Roger Penrose okay. talks about this. So, um, my man Roger Penrose, uh, best guy in the world. He talks about continuous world. Imagine that you lived in a world where everything was continuous. You're a big sloshy creature in a big sloshy ocean. Yep. Could you could you come up with the idea of discreteness? Where and you it, do all, it by well, set all view. you know is continuous, and you, and you can by thinking of the set of nothing, and the set which contains the set of nothing, and the set which contains the set of nothing, and the set of nothing. Yep. Like, so, so you built up naught, 1, 2, and then slowly you can, yeah, yeah. Very, very alien. If you were in that world, that would be absolutely mind-blowing to think of, you know, oh, there's this thing called discretized? <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> um, it's, it's, like, it's like, I, I guess it, I wouldn't be too dissimilar to learning about imaginary numbers and things like that. But, or um,
1: as a physicist learning about the quantum world for the first time. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly, yeah. But yes, even if you started with nothing you could create it. So does that mean that it exists in that nothingness? Is that a paradox? Like, you have you have the universe of nothing, and yet there is the concept of nothingness. I, I, it's a bit like the that Barber problem.
1: Uh, the Barber of Seville, yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's just a reframing of um, Russell's paradox. Yeah. So uh, it's the thing kind of um, broke set for it at the start of the 20th century. So... Mavs goes through kind of waves of a lot of the people uh, working on there would be some sort of breakthrough and then a lot of people work on the kind of uh, groundwork of a new fairy. And then the some decades some... or
0: so snarky little weasel will go haha but what about this
1: did you just call Bertrand uh, Bertrand Russell a sneaky little weasel
0: no I called Kurt Girdle Girdle a snarky little weasel
1: (laughs) okay Bertrand Russell Russell
0: is the noble one in here and then Kurt Girdle turns up and goes
1: haha I'm not comfortable with these uh, words being against any (laughs) of these people Um, so the idea of Russell's Paradox is the set of all sets that don't contain themselves does it contain itself So uh, the analogy I always give my students is paintings sometimes contain a little version of themselves in a kind of recursive way. Yeah. So somewhere in the painting, there'll be a smaller version of that painting. And in that will be a smaller version and so on. Most paintings are not like that. So like the Mona Lisa does not have a smaller version of Mona Lisa in it. No. Imagine you collected all of the paintings that weren't like that. So the Mona Lisa and the Scream and so on. And you put them in a big gallery And to celebrate this great event, you hire a painter to paint a picture of this gallery with all the paintings that don't have that property. Mm. Um, But then you realise that that painting doesn't have itself in it, so you go and hang it up in the gallery and you paint (laughs) it in. (laughs) You have to keep going. But then it does have itself, so you take it down and you rub it out and so on. It is the same thing. It's just set very rather than paintings. So the set of all sets that don't contain itself. Well, if it does contain itself then it doesn't, and if it doesn't then it does. And it, it feels like it's uh it's very hard when you're looking at these sort of paradoxes to work out whether it's just a little wordplay thing and it can be resolved easily, or it's actually something deep and uh, problematic, and this is of the latter category, it's a proper paradox. And set so very kind of it's a fundamental flaw in it. And it yeah, leads it,
0: to other flaws. It aids in that formalizing of the paradox. Yep. Um well, so 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 because we've created this concept of this paradox, that would lead us to believe that that mathematics does not exist in the wild, in nature, because nature doesn't really have paradoxes.
1: Well, what we're trying to do is start off with our normal axioms. The uh, addition is commutative and associative and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to base all of that on a more fundamental building block, which was the axioms of set theory. Yeah and a lot of people did quite a lot of the work of porting one over to the other, and then Russell's Paradox came out, and it was like, oh, that was a bit of a waste of time. Right, so th- this is all pure maths, and it's uh, beyond my scope as an applied mathematician, so sorry listeners if I'm getting some of these uh, details slightly wrong, but when Russell's Paradox came out, they tried to fix it in various different ways. There are various versions of Set Theory which um, try and correct it in some way, so like Type Theory, is a bit like Setfairy in that I imagine you have folders in your computer, so you can have a folder which within it contains another folder, but that second folder can't contain within it, say, the first folder. Yeah. Because it's of a lower type, or, uh, I don't know, mammals contain within them cats. The set of cats does not contain the set of mammals then. Like, it's of a fundamentally lower type. The problem with that is you get rid of all the nice recursion, which is what we wanted set Setfairy to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you can kind of sanitise it, but it sanitises it too much.
0: Yeah. Where are we going with
1: this? Oh, t- you mentioned Setferrin and I went on a rant. Oh, so.
0: <laughs> Right, so there's this version that doesn't build anything coherent and is nice and squeaky clean for nature, and there's another version which does build coherent things but has a paradox which probably can't exist in nature.
1: Yep. So yeah. So Setferrin is probably not the way here. But we've got consistent systems of maps. We've got lots of them. But fundamentally, all of them start with some sort of axiom. Some mm. sort of assumption, and from there we go.
0: I thought the whole point was we do not have any consistent theories of math.
1: We have, in any system of formal logic that we yeah. construct, i.e. Yeah. arithmetic, yeah. there will always be statements which are true, but we can't prove it true. This is Gödel's incompleteness theorem. Oh, okay. And that, I mean, that's consistent. It's just deeply unsatisfying.
0: So, what I'm trying to get to is is mathematics in some way incompatible with a nature that requires some level of compatibility in order for it to cohere into a reality does that make sense so like if there's some wild paradox that spins off to infinity that can't exist like that can't be the mathematics of nature um and so i'm trying to work out whether whether mathematics is like that
1: yeah I'm not sure I can answer that. Yeah. Um, I think the thing about maths is it's it's surprising how well it describes nature, even though there's nothing in it that says it should do that well. When you go down different areas of maths and you realise two different branches end up at the same kind of structure, and that structure is something you see out in nature, that's really surprising, (laughs) and that's why we keep coming back to this pretty thing which is maths. But I don't know why that should be true. I'm just glad it is.
0: So I was thinking recently that maybe I don't believe that maths is part of nature, but what I do believe in, much like what you were saying about your students, is that what is natural is addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, and that basically most of the rest of maths is just an application of those four operators. Yep. Is all of maths an application of those four operators in some way?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: So, so maybe that's what's natural and the rest is all our construction.
1: I, I know there's quite a lot of um, sixth form students that listen to this podcast um, so they won't went to university level maths but no matter which maths degree you're doing in, out in the world, in your first year one of the courses you do is something called analysis where you start off with about ten axioms, so four defining addition, four defining multiplication, one that says zero doesn't equal one because that is a consistent system of maths, you just only have one number. And then another one that kind of links addition and multiplication. And then from them, you prove everything that you've done up until then in maths. So you, you get you define a whole lot of sequences a series, you define a, like calculus and things, all from these first principles. And you just do it in a very formal formal-like way. And so you for the first time you see that maths is consistent just from defining addition and multiplication. But the key here is you have to start somewhere. You have to have some assumptions.
0: And so those base assumptions could be all that is natural and everything else is, is, is an application of that. So yep. we know we know that multiplication exists. So here's how you can prove that addition and multiplication definitely exist in the wild. Uh, and it's through the interaction of two charged particles. So we know that the force between two charged particles uh, is equal is proportional to the uh, their two charges multiplied by each other. Yep. A- and and that's measurable, so multiplication must exist. Um, we also know that the fields produced in any particular point near those two charged particles, uh, uh, the field, the, the electrical field, is equal to the sum of those two electrical fields generated by those charged particles.
1: Are there error bars on any of these?
0: Uh, no, quantum electrodynamics is so accurate... Um, that it is, uh, it's, it's the best candidate for the, the thing that is the that is actually true. Yep. So, it, quantum, electrod- quantum electrodynamics may be the only scientific model that we have that is actually how nature works. The rest is a close approximation.
1: Yep. So again, there is a bit of an error here. It's just as far as we can tell, addition and subtraction, uh, addition and multiplication seem to be working.
0: Any error that there is is due to. Uh, in precision in our own measuring implements, and not due to inconsistency with uh, reality.
1: How can we know that?
0: Oh, you can't. But you know, it's much like the stuff that we did earlier, where we're like, okay, this is probably true. Like, we we I, we test QED to exhaustion, and we've never found an inconsistency with with yeah. reality, a, except for perhaps you know on the edge of black holes and stuff. But that's more of a that's more of a problem with relativity than it is a problem with quantum electrodynamics.
1: It it's a sciencey proof rather than math y proof. And we're talking about math things, here. So. you're you're kicking the can down the road in terms of accuracy
0: Hey, you asked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um
0: Yeah, but I'm just I'm I'm just trying to prove that that multiplication and addition and and division and subtraction exist.
1: You're you're trying chart. to prove that they're likely to exist. Again you're I... us, you're using the word proof in a different way here.
0: I am trying to point towards evidence that the phenomenon of multiplication is a phenomenon that can be observed by, yes, not formally proven that it exists in nature. So anyway, just food for thought. Yep. Something for, if if anybody's got any fantastic arguments uh, along these bounds, I would love to listen to them. I've I've never really explored it in any depth. I've always just sort of had the concepts and I've sort of brought it up with other people and listened to their arguments, but I've never, like gone into the texts of, of discussion on this. Hmm. So if, if, if there's anything that, you know, either me or Alec have, have, have touched on that's actually really close to the current, like, accepted doctrine on Platonism versus Formalism, I would love to hear it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i not sure what the current state is. I, I've read quite a lot of bits from various philosophers on different bits, but I'm, I'm hmm. not sure what the grand narrative is here. Yeah. When you're uh, reading Plato in between your Bertram Russell's and things, I know that I'm Skipping quite a lot of through history.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I read Bertrand Russell's History of Western Philosophy. It's mostly about popes. So you're not missing much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, pirate puzzle. We're going to have five pirates on a ship. There's a, a, sh- a strict order to their ranks on the ship. So, Pirate A is the captain, Then yep. Pirate B is the next one down in command. First mate. The... Yep. Yeah, well, we're going to run out of names, I think, if we keep Second names. mate.
0: Third mate. Fourth mate.
1: <laughs> yes. Down to, yeah. E. Swabby So, A to E. Um, and they've just done some plundering. They've got some uh, gold coins. Yep. And from their raid, they've got 100 gold coins. Now, it's up to whoever's in charge to offer a distribution of these coins to the other pirates yep and then every pirate votes including the one that offered the distribution and if there is a a majority or if it's equal numbers then it goes through Mm -hmm. and that is the the distribution which is chosen if the majority of people dislike it then the whoever's whoever proposed it is thrown overboard and they try again okay With, with one fewer pirate everyone's kind of moved up the ranks yep now, the pirates have have three levels of priority here. So level one is pirates are savvy. Each pirate wants to survive. That's their like number one priority here. They don't yep. want to be thrown overboard. Number two is that pirates are greedy. So each pirate wants as many coins as they can, unless it would contravene the first rule. So their priority is surviving. Yeah. So the captain's the...
0: not going to go 100, 000, 000. 0, 0.
1: Yeah, because no one's going to accept. And then the third rule is that pirates are bloodthirsty. So each pirate, given that the first two conditions are met—that they are um, surviving and that they're getting as much money as possible—they would prefer if other pirates were thrown overboard. In the case of everything else being equal, they like the violence.
0: Yeah, they like a they like a good splashdown.
1: So it's a bit like we've got the three uh, rules of robotics going on here, just in right. a different order. Yeah. So, uh, like rule three of robotics is they're trying to survive. It's pirates. That's their top priority. Yeah. What distribution should the captain
0: propose? He's... Oh, he's, he's screwed. I don't think there's anything he can do. Do the other four get to talk to each other?
1: Uh, no, but they know what everyone else thinks. They're all logical creatures. They know that they're savvy, greedy, and bloodthirsty. In that order.
0: Yeah, I don't think the captain stands a chance. I don't think there's anything he can do.
1: Try it in a smaller case. Imagine you only had two pirates.
0: If It's a... Oh, well, if you had two pirates, then if it's even numbers, then that's, then you're fine. So yep, the captain goes just through. goes 100 to him and 0 to the other person. Yeah.
1: Yes, because then they both vote, and the captain would vote for themselves, and the other person wouldn't, and it yep. goes through in the case of a tie. Yeah. Okay, knowing that, maybe three pirates?
0: In the three pirate case, I think the last two would vote against the captain in all circumstances. And then, oh no... No, 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 because the, the person at the, at, the, at the bottom doesn't want that, because then the next suggester will just say 100 for him.
1: True. Uh, so, yeah, let's say that in the first time you were doing it with Pirates D and E, and now we're doing it with C, D, and E. Yep. Pirate E doesn't want to get it down to the two-pirate case, because then they would, won't get anything.
0: But Pirate D does. So Pirate D is going to vote against everything. Yep. And Pirate E is going to vote for everything.
1: Uh, What happens if... Uh, pirate C offered 100.00. Zero, zero. What does E think?
0: Oh, well, e, e just wants to see someone killed then. Yeah. Because he knows he's getting nothing either way.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, E has to be bought.
0: E has to be bought with one coin.
1: Yep, that'll do it. Okay. So, the free pirate solution is 99.01. Yeah. Because that one coin is enough to buy E's uh, greed rather than the yep. bloodthirstiness.
0: Yeah. This is interesting. So, in mm-hmm. the five pirate case, Does the same logic still hold for the bottom two?
1: I would go through four first.
0: Okay. All right. So the captain is there, and he suggests something. Uh...
1: So in the three-person case, C ended up with 99, E ended up with one, and D didn't end up with anything. So D didn't like that.
0: In the three-person case. uh, Ah, D does not want the three-person case to happen. Yeah. And so D will vote for anything. That the, the B puts forward
1: again, with that caveat that it has to be at least one coin, right? Because otherwise they're getting zero either way, and their bloodthirstiness kicks in.
0: Ah, well, in that case, it's ninety-nine zero one zero because that's all you need.
1: Yes, is it? Yeah. So if we just look at one of the uh, other possible sort of uh, things that might have happened, ninety-nine zero zero one. Well, E would get one coin. You need for the four or the three-person case. But again, the bloodthirstiness kicks in. Yeah. So they would vote against. So that doesn't quite work. So the problem is
0: five is non-trivially different because it's odd-numbered, so you can't have very easy evens, or the the even thing doesn't exist. Yep. And you're in a case where you need more than one person to get over majority. So we look at the four-person case. Yep. We know B wants it. We know D wants it. But this is the thing. This is why I was saying I think that there's nothing the captain can really do. Ah, no, but it resolves in the four-person case. So if it gets down to the four-person case, it's going to resolve. So there's nothing that yep. nothing that C and E can really do about it. So they, they know their best bet is to comply with the captain on yes. what he's doing. And so therefore it's 980101.
1: Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Which is it's kind of surprising, like, how much the can get away with. Yeah. Um, and this pattern continues, so it's kind of an odd even thing going here, but it's like you're alternating each... You're never giving to the person below you. You're always yeah. giving them zero. Yeah. You're giving one to the person below them, and so yeah. on.
0: Um. Uh, I, bet, I bet if you I bet if you, try this with actual people, it won't work. There's a difference between game theorists and human beings. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you gave them anything
1: breed. less than a third... I think they go against you. Yeah. Um, I think an interesting case, and I haven't really thought about it before. That kind of continues until you run out of money, because if you got to the point where you had like, is it 199 pirates, where you'd go one zero one zero one zero one zero, you'd end up giving a hundred coins out to a uh, hundred pirates. You're missing 99 out. Yeah. Why was it the 200 pirate case? Well, it'll be even. You don't quite have enough to buy one, do
0: you? No, but 200's fine because of the square number thing. I think 201 is dangerous.
1: Oh, yeah. Not square number, the even number thing.
0: Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm using the term Are square right? to mean to match rather than to, uh. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, 201.
0: 201. I do you think. you just is...
1: not have enough money to bribe.
0: Well, ha- then you've got to add in the. No, if you want to survive.
1: Uh. You'll, you'll
0: give 100 to everyone else, and then <laughs> and then you'll vote for that, and you the captain. Will get nothing, but at least they at least they live.
1: So maybe that continues as you go on 202, two, three, and things. I don't think it's enough. So
0: 202 is fine because you can do the same thing. Two o three. Well, now you've got 102 unhappy people and 101 happy people. I think it collapses down to 202.
1: Is there not the fear of those other pirates that when it comes to their turn, so like the ones just below you, they know they would also be killed? Ah, ah,
0: uh, ha, ha, ha. Is
1: that enough to buy their vote?
0: Because they but, don't want to die, yeah.
1: But then if it did, then that strategy would work, which means they wouldn't vote for you because they'd be safe anyway. Because well, if just, a strategy Because they could
0: rely on the same fear strategy
1: themselves. <laughs> I don't know which way this collapses.
0: No... They're confident that they'll survive, but it means that the thing that they're confident in doesn't work. And so yeah. you're left with a jittery incoherence in logic, which proves that pirates aren't part of nature.
1: Right, that's it, folks. That's the conclusion <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> pirates don't reel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, feedback. We've got quite a lot this week. Hmm. So, um, on hats we were talking about the uh, the hat problem where you had lots of different colors of hats and we got a bit stuck at the end. Actually, we weren't too far off the solution. So we've got a solution here from Andrew Slattery, who's the person who set the problem. You've got X different colors of hats. Assign each color a number from zero to X minus one. So we're just turning it into a number system rather than a color system. So they kind of relate to each other. So for example, like you could have uh, red is zero, yellow is one, and so on. Um, the first person who's the person that they can't possibly have the information to get their own hat, right? They're the person that's almost the sacrifice here, adds up all of the other people's hats, modulo X. So we were doing the two hat version where it was a bit we were talking about odd or even number of hats here. Well this is like the equivalent, but for x different values, and they announced the result. And then everyone else they they don't care about the first person's colour of hat because there was no information provided about that. But they can see everyone else's colour of hat. They can add that up, modulo X, and so they know what their colour their own hat must have been. To make it right. up to modulo X? Yes. Yeah. And, but, and that's that's enough information. Mm. And and so it doesn't require knowing the order here, you can do it in any order. And just like with all the other hat problems, the first person has a um a 1 in N chance of getting it right anyway also 1 in X and then everyone else is solved very good I I had a related problem which didn't make it into the last episode but I wrote it up as an article so I'll put that in the show notes it's prisoners in rainbow hats it's a similar sort of concept
0: we also have a piece of feedback on the subreddit, the first piece of feedback ever to be done on the subreddit. Um, if you don't like filling in the form on the website, you can always go to the subreddit at our odds and evenings. Uh, we will try and post a new post for every episode and you can put your uh, comments in there. Uh, and this is from uh, Reddit user Dartoxian, which is uh, our friend Ben, who we brought up on the show before. And uh, he says that we've almost gotten into the real world application of polycube snakes. So, this is when we were talking about uh, the extra long snakies.
1: Oh, yeah, tiling 3D space with them.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, he says in database systems that support geospatial lookup, uh, where questions are often vague, things like what is near X, is X in Y, etc., uh, rather than are X and Y the same place. So, more vague, fuzzier questions. It's useful to be able to trim the world by using a geo hash. Fit it to a Z-order curve. Now, I, I looked at what a Z-order curve is, and that is a type of space-filling curve where you draw tiny little Zs. Um, okay. So if, imagine, imagine you have boxes. Uh, you split the boxes into little fours, and then you do a little, a little Z. So you do top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right, and okay, then you move I on to the next one. Yeah. So
1: this is like the Hilbert curve, but in 3D.
0: Um, no, it's it's a it's a 2D thing. Okay. Um, and uh, Yeah, and, and so you, you you fit it to that kind of 2D space-filling curve, and uh, and and it turns it into a string prefix lookup, which is much faster. So it collapses it to 1D, so that is used in, in real uh, in the world. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, so, I
1: can't quite imagine what this looks like, so we'll pop a picture up so. in the show notes. And, yes, um, and yeah.
0: uh, you can all see what a Z-order curve looks like. Also, you can also Google Z-order curve, but Pay more attention to our show notes than to uh, to Google because they're more important.
1: And f- finally I've got uh, a solution to the egg dropping problem from Thomas finesse. Mm. So this is the one where you were uh, you had some number of eggs and you were dropping them from a building which had some number of floors and uh, the two egg version is the classic version but we were hypothesizing what it would look like with three eggs or four eggs or that sort of thing. yeah and it got quite complicated. Uh, Thomas Finesse has got a recursive solution here. So the idea with one egg, it was like you were adding up all the floors as you were going along. You were adding up uh, like one floor, one floor, one floor, one floor, and you end up with just something linear going up. With two eggs, it was like you were adding up uh, one plus two plus three plus four. Like the sum of those linear things becomes a quadratic thing. It becomes just triangle numbers. Yeah. Which is a quadratic formula. Well, it turns out the next one, you're adding up those triangle numbers. 1 plus 3 plus 6 plus 10, etc. Yeah. yeah. If you want to have the geometric uh, kind of intuition here, if you add up all of triangle numbers, you're getting the tetrahedral numbers. Mm-hmm. Ma- imagine you're stacking oranges. So you've got one orange at the top, then you've got three oranges that it's resting on, then yep. six it's resting on. Yeah. Ah,
0: uh, yes. Stacking oranges. Yes. That makes sense.
1: So... The next one up would be adding tetrahedral numbers, where you get the kind of 4D equivalent of these things. Yeah. Um, With all of these things, you're trying to find uh, the smallest value, which takes you over the number of floors. So with the two-egg version, you're finding the smallest number so that n times n plus 1 all over 2 was greater than the number of floors. That n times n plus 1 over 2 is just uh, the General equation of triangle numbers. Yeah, the next one up would be the the smallest tetrahedral number that gets over the number of floors, and so on.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. In,
1: ter- in terms of uh, combinatorics here, if you've got k eggs and m floors, then you're trying to find the smallest number such that n plus k minus one choose k is greater than the number of floors. Yeah.
0: Right and then you Um, do it in reverse so you start with the biggest one or do you start with when when you're actually dropping the eggs
1: uh, that's which floor you would go to yeah Uh, it's actually the the ceiling function of that okay Um, because that doesn't always give a nice number yeah Um, if you want to think about this in terms of Pascal's triangle it's like you're going along each diagonal the one egg version you're going like the the, uh, the second diagonal in yeah what's the smallest number which goes over that the two egg version you get in the third diagonal lane, which is where it goes one, three, six, ten, it's the triangle numbers. The three egg version is the next diagonal up, and so you can just do it by looking up on Pascal's triangle.
0: Hmm. I have a question. Yeah. Are the numbers above the tetrahedral numbers uh the same as stacking hyper oranges in five D space?
1: Uh it we'd be up to four D then.
0: Yeah, but you stack three D oranges in three D space. Oh yeah yeah So sorry, yeah. hyper oranges in in four D space. Yes, it is. Mm. The,
1: yeah, tetrahedral the numbers.
0: Um, and I guess you can tell because the two D triangle numbers is like stacking circles in two D space. Yeah, yeah. If you don't think of it in the right angle triangle way, which is kind of the way that I do, but if you think of it in terms of a equilateral triangle, it's like yeah, stacking circles, and so that's like stacking oranges, and then that the above, yeah, it's like stacking um, hyperspheres.
1: Yeah. yeah, cool. It's quite it's quite neat, and we were talking about. Um, whether it was going to go linear quadratic cubic etc it does just yeah. going up one dimension it go the order
0: yeah it goes up by one each time very nice and i like the thing uh, that he uh, mentioned at the end which is that as the number of eggs goes to infinity you get the, you get to the binary search yeah. thing which she is takes perfect
1: log of the number of floors order time
0: hmm that makes sense So, thank you very much For coming and joining us on this show This evening uh, I've been Alex, Alaric has been Aloic. We do a thing at the end of every episode Where we rate how satisfied we were With I guess what we did I've never found a way to properly describe what this is But anyway, we just attach numbers to what we did <laughs> as, a, as a way of recap
1: it's a, it's a kind of plenary for our minds
0: Hmm Plenary So, uh, what was the first thing we did?
1: Cats pads. cats being the name of our college. Yes. It's been such... I've been thinking about this problem for so long, I would like a solution to it. I thought that that smallest number thing was going to work, but it didn't.
0: Well, if it really worked, you would just go zero, 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 0, the whole time.
1: The smallest number that you hadn't already done.
0: Oh, right. Well, yeah. we were doing it, and it did look like it was going to work. You were just unsatisfied by how, quote, oh. non-trivial, unquote, it became.
1: Yeah, so what I wanted was an algorithm where you literally follow it rather than having to think along the way.
0: Oh, uh, rather well, than having to think yep. one in advance. Oh, so you can't do that because... Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I liked thinking about the kind of arcs and nodes graph theory stuff, but it was unsatisfying that it didn't work past two-digit.
0: Right. We think.
1: Yeah, well, it would, if it does, it works in some modified way. Yeah. Again, so I proposed a thing... It didn't work past the general case. Yeah.
0: So therefore, your score is three. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to do the same. Normally I do one minus one on your score, but uh, I'm going to do the same this time. <laughs> uh, and then and then we talk for a little bit about philosophy. I got to a new place mentally that I hadn't before, so that's good. I, I do a lot of thinking by talking. Okay. So um, it's useful to talk about these things because it helps me to think. Uh, and so the idea that um, potentially paradoxes in in nature in paradoxes in mathematics means that mathematics doesn't exist in nature uh, was uh, something new that I hadn't uh, had thought of before. So I'm quite satisfied. Actually, I know we didn't you know put the wor- put the world to rights or anything like that, but I'm actually quite satisfied with that discussion because I got I broke new ground on the Platonism versus formalism thing in my head. Okay. And so I'm going to give it a nice eight.
1: I feel like I got to say some classic anecdotes which I probably say a couple of times a year in student conversations. Do the Russell's Paradox and things. Um, But resolving this deep question in mathematics is uh, nowhere near in my mind. Five.
0: Very fair. And the last thing we did. Pirates. Pirates. That was good. I did it. (laughs) You did. I solved it, yay.
1: I... I think it's just quite a neat problem. Because it the answer you get to is so different from what you think it would be at first. Ninety eight yeah. gold coins for the captain.
0: Well, I was thinking it was there's nothing he can do. Like the captain would always die was what I was what it had yeah. initially thought.
1: Yeah. I would be interested if anyone can solve like the Tour 1, Tour two or case, etc
0: I think we got there. But it would be nice to see pop up.
1: I'd like to see how it extends past. Yeah. Um, oh, it so. got a bit
0: wobbly towards the end of like yeah, trusting the method not trusting the method, yeah yeah.
1: But that isn't solving the original puzzle, that's uh, using the puzzle as a launchpad for maths and I'm happy with the puzzle itself so 9.
0: Wow I haven't done a 10 in a while but I'm going to say 9 only because it got a bit funny at the end there Do you... Do you... Agree? Any reactions? <laughs> <laughs> no, no.
1: Yeah. Oh, we came up with the same number for the same reason. Yes, yeah. we agree.
0: Okay. So that's it for the show. For this week, minor apologies that this one's come out a tiny bit late. My fault. Um, Sorry. Alex fault this time. Uh, we won't go into why. <laughs> um, and uh, yes. So, here's how you can reach us. We are always looking for problems that we can do that are suggested by listeners. If you have a problem that you would like us to tackle, uh, whether it's because you haven't uh, solved it yourself yet or whether you're just curious to see how we approach it, uh, you can reach us at oddsandevenings.com. There's a form you can fill in there. Uh, there's also a subreddit, uh, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash oddsandevenings. Uh, the main place uh, that, that we like is... Uh, with the show is at Twitter. So that's twitter.com slash odds and evenings. You can find me individually at twist.com slash speakmouthwords and you can find Alaric through any odds and evenings channel, correct? Yes. Correct.
1: I read the Twitter. I read the emails.
0: Yeah. We love um, you guys. You uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um and thank you for listening even if you don't write in. Uh your your downloads are a blessing on our analytics. And we hope you enjoy the show too. What else? Oh, this music that's playing right now is by David Russell 323 on YouTube. Go and check him out; he's very good. And uh, that's about it. Anything else to plug? Nope. Nope. Eat your greens. Stay indoors. And uh, good night. <laughs>
1: Pirates! Pirates. This is uh, about to get a lot less. uh, very,
0: (laughs) very philosophy. (laughs) A a lot less deep.
1: Okay. (laughs) Right, I've got a puzzle for you.
0: Can I tell a pirate joke first? Yes, you can. What's a pirate's favourite letter? R. You'd think it would be R, but my first love will always be the sea. That's my pirate joke. Yeah, that's good. Thank you.
1: Uh, (laughs) How's
0: my pirate accent? Pretty good?
1: Yeah, it was.
0: Yeah, thank you. I need <laughs> these kinds of compliments in the in of an evening to uh to you know keep my spirits up.